0: Good morning. Welcome to another episode of Canon Calls. Before we get into it, I wanted to make sure everybody knew that for the month of July in two thousand nineteen, we are doing free shipping on all orders over twenty five dollars. So head over to the brand new website, um, Google and Awe at all of the all of the brand new stuff. And make sure you put like two books in your cart and then get free shipping unless you live out of the country and then um you'll have to pay for shipping. We really apologize about that. Um, So, with those announcements out of the way, this week I talk with Gary DeMar, who uh, I feel really indebted to. I talk about in the podcast that in college, Gary was my my one-stop shop for all things eschatology. And we talk all things uh, partial preterism, eschatology, uh, the left-behind books, the land-before-time movies. And if you enjoyed anything there, want to know more about Gary, please visit AmericanVision.org and you can find Gary's blog and many, many books. Thanks for listening, guys. All right. So welcome to another episode of Cannon Calls. I'm your host, Jake McAtee. And this week we are interviewing Gary DeMar. Gary. Thanks for coming.
1: Well thanks. hey it's worked out great. I was in in town. I got your email. Yeah, I emailed
0: um, you last week and you' were like, why don't we do this live right yeah I've been was... here
1: been here since uh, uh, Sunday and leaving tomorrow. I've been doing all kinds of uh, uh, work with Darren. I'm and sure he's it's got been, you a, that's been a great it's been a great time we We got we, we this morning we got some really, really good stuff so that was yeah
0: good. so I'm hoping well, I'm hoping we'll wrap up with kind of what's what's coming on the horizon for you and what's new for you. Yeah. Uh, but first, I'd love for you if you could just, let's say nobody, let's just say this audience is totally uh, unawares to your project and who you are. You know, what, uh, where are you from?
1: I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I grew up in the suburbs of uh, Pittsburgh and uh, graduated from high school 68, went to Western Michigan University on a track and field scholarship. Uh, became a Christian in 1973, um, and uh, ended up at Reformed Theological Seminary in 1974. Okay. Moved to the Atlanta area in, in 1977, and I've been there ever since. And I've been with American Vision, which is a Christian worldview ministry, uh, since 19,
0: 1980. Awesome. Uh, when Darren dropped you off, I was just telling you, you know, I came— I became aware of your work. I was at Bethlehem College and Seminary, which is a little school, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I was in a uh, biblical and theological studies in exegesis degree. And so just a mouthful of word. Basically, you have to read Greek and Hebrew. And, you know, they teach you to arc. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar, familiar with arcing. And it's a very, you know, high intensity, exegetically run School. Oh, yeah. uh, and uh, it, it was started by uh, John Piper. So it's, it's got a uh, they are a uh, historic premill Baptist, you know, Swedish Baptist uh, school. And so at the time I was getting familiar with Canon Press and I was learning about uh, there's a thing called postmillennialism. And there's a you know, you don't have to ma- read Matthew 24 like it could happen, could be next week or depending right. on who's elected next. Uh, and so I was looking for, I'm trying to find somebody who's really dealing with the text and, um, in a way that I wasn't finding and somebody led me to your works. And so I've greatly appreciated your writings and especially as, uh, Last Day's Madness was really, you know, a second Bible to me. So,
1: yeah, Last Day's Madness, uh, kind of grew out of, um, a series of articles that I had written and I sent them to a friend of mine, Michael, Michael Hyatt, who was a uh, to, um, he he and a, a friend Robert Wilgamuth had started Wollgemuth and Hyatt and they were they were looking for books to publish and I sent them an idea and they liked it and they so Wollgemuth and Hyatt was the first to publish uh, Last Day's Madness uh, Mike okay. Mike then went on to uh, Thomas Nelson became the president of Thomas Nelson Publishers and they published my critique of uh, the Left Behind series and so I've I've kind of you know, the 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 eschatology stuff is kind of a hobby for, for me. Uh, I, I I really do enjoy uh, dealing with it.
0: Yeah. So with eschatology, uh, so I so I told you where I went to college, but I grew up in Texas at a at a pretty big non-denominational church, um, and it was actually a, out of the Bible movement. So out of DTS, there was the Bible movement, um, and so all that really meant though with the non-denominational thing is we. Uh, we were Baptists who didn't want, you know, we weren't the villains of Footloose though. Right. You know, we were we were Euclideans. cool Baptists. Euclideans. Yeah, we're cool okay. Baptists, you know. Uh but uh anyway, so as far as as far as eschatology goes, it was more it's more of just a, you know, who's to really say and it seems like it divides more than anything and it doesn't seem like there's any practical input to it. But what if I remember when I fell down um the Gary DeMar rabbit hole and what and what fun it was, I remember you talking about I can't remember where you said it, but I think you said you, you used to just travel and do a lot of the worldview guide or worldview thinking conferences and and speaking engagements and, um, and somebody, you kept getting questions like, you know, Hey, if the world's going to end soon. Well, why to, are
1: we wasting our time? Yeah, can uh, you talk about that? Because yeah, that's yeah. you
0: know, as far as eschatology goes, all of a sudden it becomes really practical.
1: Yeah, I, I had written a, a series of books back in, in 1980, uh, 1982, 84, and 86, a three-volume work called "God and Government," uh, pointing out to Christians that government isn't synonymous with politics. Uh, that uh, God is a governor of all things. Self-government under God is the most important government and family governments, church governments, and civil governments. So I was I'd go around, people would ask me to come and speak, and I'd address those, those subjects and how we should be involved in economics and politics and medicine and every other area of life. And invariably, I'd get somebody who said, why are we wasting our time on this? Because Jesus is coming back soon. All the signs are in, all the signs are in place. And this was early 80s, and we have to remember that Hal Lindsey had written Late Great Planet Earth in 1970, in which he made something of a prediction that Israel becoming a nation again in 1948 was extremely important. It was kind of the key prophetic passage. Matthew 24:34 said, "This generation will not pass away until all these things take place." Generation was 40 years. 40 plus 48, 88. So we're right in the midst of this. Right. The, the end of the the of this prophetic pronouncement. So why are we bothering with this? Because the rapture is right around the corner. And even if you weren't a pre tribulational rapturist and you were post trib, you're still looking at something that's gonna take place before the year two thousand. So I so I I really got involved in the eschatological side of things as an apologetic uh I had to answer that I had to answer that that question right. for people and that's how left, the uh, last days madness uh came into being.
0: Yeah, you it it does seem like that is uh even from when you became a Christian, you said 1973? Yes. And then uh, I also know, um, I think it was Gary North as well. You and Gary North went to Dallas Theological Seminary in 1988. Well, we went to Dallas. Oh, okay. Not to the seminary. Okay. Yeah. And it was in 1988? It was 1988. And it was
1: to debate. Dave Hunt and Thomas (laughs) Ice. Yeah. Right. We, uh, um, Peter Lighthart and I had written a book called The Reduction of Christianity. Okay. And uh, it was a critique of Dave Hunt's uh, kingdom and uh, dealing with the kingdom now and tax on postmillennialism and so forth. So uh, we, wrote a, we wrote a response to that. And, and that book did very, very well. We sold tens of thousands of copies of that wow. book. And, and I, had, I had sent the manuscript to uh, Dave Hunt ahead of time say, David, is there anything in here that you disagree with? Let me know. Uh, or I misre- There were things that he disagreed with, but sure. I didn't want to misrepresent him, so I sent him the manuscript. And he said that, uh, I don't have time right now, but afterwards we'll, we'll debate. And so uh, we debated in, in Dallas, uh, Dave, Dave Hunt and Tommy Ice on their side, and of course Gary North and I on our side.
0: Yeah. And those were significant names at the time. You mentioned Dave Hunt and then Tommy Ice as well.
1: Yeah. D- Dave Hunt uh, wrote The uh, Seduction of Christianity, which was really about the New Age movement. But he made a couple of comments in there uh, about the kingdom that were a little off the wall and kind of a slam to postmillennialism and kind of equating modern day postmillennialism with the New Age movement. And, okay. the, and, and Peter yeah. and I then wrote that response and to say, you really don't know what you're talking about. Uh, and so we, we did that. We did that debate. I think it's available. I think it's, it's probably online, uh, somewhere. So PDF is somewhere yeah, around. Somewhere, yeah.
0: Real quick. So before we keep going, can you describe, uh, what was popular at the time with the Tommy Ice and Hal Lindsey? What was the view? And then after that, can you tell us, uh, what, what was it that you were putting positing forth, uh, instead?
1: Well, the, the view was, and uh, it wasn't just the ba- based upon Lindsay's The Late Great Planet Earth, but th- that was the big deal in the 1970s. It was the number one nonfiction book of the 1970s. It, it outsold uh, The Joy of Sex. Uh, so you got a book that's, you know, that's <laughs> higher up on the list than sex, you're, you're in pretty good shape. But it sold tens of millions of copies. Uh, one volume, one, one small paperback book. That's crazy. It came out originally in, in, in hardback. And you think of the Left Behind series that has 12 or more volumes that sold in the neighborhood of 80 some million combined. This was one book that sold in you know tens of millions of copies, and I think it really had an effect on the culture. There was you know why bother you know this you don't rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic. It's all coming down. Jesus is going to return before that gener- before this generation passed away, et cetera. So this is still in the 80s when I'm writing this, and then the 1988 came and we're still here. And there was a book that also came out in 1988 called uh, 88 Reasons Why the Rapture is going to be in 1988. So this was a big, big deal. Right. And many, probably a lot of young Christians today have no idea what this fascination with the end times was all about.
0: Right. So for them... They're thinking so. Obviously, for them, they they've got a date, nineteen eighty eight. Um, but it is it is kind of their thing that that date is can continue to move. Well, they changed,
1: um, Yeah, they moved the goalposts. It was forty eight, and then it became nineteen sixty seven. Israel gets, takes Jerusalem back. Jews take Jerusalem back, and so they still still had some time to maneuver from nineteen sixty seven to forty years to two thousand and seven. Okay. And uh, then it became, well, maybe a generation of 70 years and maybe even 100 years. Right. So it got, be, it got very slippery after a while.
0: So they're, they're taking all of the New Testament texts that are a doom and gloomish, and they're, and they're basically doing their best to say, this has got to be soon. Things are not, they don't seem to be going super well. Um, there's tons of uh, persecution or, you know, America's really gone astray. So it, it's got to be soon. So I'm reading Matthew 24 in light of today, or I'm reading uh, any of the others in the epistles.
1: Yeah, you got the man of lawlessness. You've got, of course, the book of Revelation. you got uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39. Russia was supposed to be the end-time bad right. guy. That's right. Uh, and that, that's still a very popular view. I was going to say, it that's is, back in vogue. Yeah. It is. And in fact, it seems to always be in vogue with a, a few uh, accents of... Uh, uh, you know, blood moons and you right. know, added, to the, added to the ensemble of what passes today as of biblical prophecy.
0: And so uh, in the midst of that, all of that hysteria, and as you mentioned, even the left behind books, which are massive, massive, right. ma- they were massive books uh, and even mass- massively influential. But uh, you, didn't, you didn't even sort of like take two steps to the right or left. You know, you, it wasn't even that you were kind of different from them. It's your position that a lot of those texts were fulfilled in the first century. Is, oh, yeah. Is yeah. That cor- and, and,
1: and, w- and that's not a new position. It's not, not like, new. Yeah, Correct. Yeah. I f- didn't come along and say, hey, you know, I just found something new and all this. <laughs> right. Their position is really the newer position.
0: Right. Uh, but maybe not uh, as far as the culture goes. They're, they've done, they did a great job of assuming the center in a way that would make—you guys were pretty out of left field, I would think. So c- can you describe your view—
1: um well, the, the the view that i i kind of adopted and have kind of and expanded on is that you pay close attention to time indicators when it comes to prophecy as well as audience indicators and when you see the second person plural for example used in Matthew 21 22 23 24 it's obvious Jesus is referring to that particular generation. And that then that takes you to the phrase this generation. And every time in Matthew's gospel where this generation is used, it always refers to the to the generation to whom Jesus is speaking. And I know people try to get around.
0: Well, that's a it, that's a far demonstrative, not yeah, a yeah, near demonstrative.
1: Yeah, yeah, this is a near demonstrative and Jesus had a future generation in mind. He could have said that generation. That generation. It's, there it Jesus is. Jesus yeah. had a different audience in mind. He could have said when you know, they when they see the abomination of desolation, or when they see wars and rumors of wars. But second, um, in Matthew chapter twenty-four, second person plural is used throughout. And Jesus had a particular audience. His disciples ask a question regarding the the, the uh, destruction of the temple, because in chapter twenty-three, Jesus says, "Your house is being left to you desolate." He walks out of the temple. His disciples point out the buildings. You mean the, this building right here? And Jesus says, yes, that not one stone here will be left of, upon another. They'll all be torn down. And they said, when is this going to happen? So Jesus then tells them, and he ends that that section with, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. And people have tried to get around it. Schofield said, uh, well, it really doesn't mean this generation. It means this race, meaning the right. Jewish race, right. which makes no sense. It's the wrong Greek word. Um, And it makes no logical sense because the dispensationalists, you know, like Tommy Ice and Dave Hunt and Hal Lindsey, see Israel as being the focal point. And yet, if it said this race will not pass away until all these things take place, it means when all these things take place, the Jewish race passes away. So that didn't make any sense. Right. Um, And and I came across a book that was written in 1948 by Marcellus Kick. Uh, His was an exposition on... Matthew twenty four and it, I was in seminary at the time and I was doing the same thing you were doing. I was taking classes on exegesis and hermeneutics and so forth, right. and we were always taught compare scripture with scripture. And that's what Kick did. He compared scripture with scripture. He showed, look, here's a parallel, here is a parallel, here, here's a relationship between this and that, and it, it, uh, it supported everything I was being taught how you do exegesis.
0: So, right. Well, you see, you mentioned you went to RTS. What, what was the—were um, there big, uh, popular, at least, eschatology narratives from there? Or was it—it's a buffet, or was it—
1: and Most of the professors were millennial but okay. Greg Bonson was the professor there at the okay. time. Okay, okay. And uh, uh, Greg, who uh, was really only a couple of years older uh, than, than I was at the time, uh, but far, far more articulate in, in understanding of issues than anybody I had ever met at, and um, so he, he wrote and talked about the postmillennial position, okay. not so much on preterism. Okay. Preterism is just simply a word that means that a prophecy is given, it's now been fulfilled, it's in the past. Um, most of his work was on the postmillennial side of things. Okay. Uh, and so I, I took the, the, the preterist issue. I didn't deal so much with postmillennialism because every time I dealt with postmillennialism, or the millennial issue, I always had to go back and look at the passage of wars and rumors of wars and famines and false prophets and all that. And so I had to deal with that first. It was it was a kind of a way to uh, uh, get rid of the, the, the what's, what was on the table before you could sit down and talk about millennial issues.
0: Right. This is the clear text that we want to interpret the more difficult texts in light of.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You don't go to the book of Revelation um uh, Revelation that out. twenty and then try to try to you just don't do that. Right. Uh, you, you deal with the simplest texts and the, the Olivet discourse is much simpler than the book of Revelation. Plus you've got three versions of it in, in the synoptic gospels in Matthew twenty-four, Mark thirteen, and Luke twenty-one. So you've got right. ways to put all that together and it's a more empirical uh, uh, understanding of things historically empirical because you can actually look back at the history of that period of time and see a lot of those events. Some validations, yeah.
0: So um, we're not expecting any of Jesus' teaching in Matthew 24. We're not, or we're at least not primarily looking for it right now to illuminate any current events. What event, you know, did the temple? Did Jesus rip the temple down in that first century?
1: Yeah, the, te- the temple was destroyed. He, Jesus said, as I mentioned, that not one stone would be left upon another. And, and no one disagrees with this. I mean, I don't care what, what eschatological position you hold, uh, everyone agrees that the temple was destroyed in AD 70 before that generation passed right. away. Uh, some some take a mixed approach to the Olivet Discourse. Some things refer to the destruction right. of Jerusalem. Some things refer to the Second Coming.
0: So everything after verse 34,
1: Four, yeah, yeah but I even, think that's but Sam Storms' y- position. Yeah, but even, I think John Murray kind of took a mixed approach okay. even be th- to events before verse 34, uh, and then there are those of double fulfillment. Yes. These refer to events with the s- destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70, but at the same time, it's talking about a, some future tribulation period. Uh, so, you, I wrote a book called "Wars and Rumors." Uh, um, let's see, um, "Worldview Wars," where I deal with some of those issues. Okay. Uh, double fulfillment. I said, well, why not triple fulfillment, quadruple f- fulfillment? Where yeah. do you, where do you stop with that? Right. Where Where in the text does it tell you that there is there could be a double fulfillment? The burden of proof is on those who propose that as a solution.
0: Right. Um and about this I've heard I think uh I forget who did the documentary. Um but there was a uh, uh it was a it was a uh what do you call that? It? it wasn't a debate but it was a uh you and two other guys it was you Hamilton
1: and Oh yeah yeah yeah. Um yes. Uh, I forget uh I forget James, the other James gentleman. James Hamilton and um Sam Waldron.
0: That's it. Yeah. And uh, there was one comment that Hamilton made to you that I, that I, I, I have heard myself was that I think it was uh, without Eusebius. Was it Eusebius? Without no, Josephus. Without Josephus, your position wouldn't exist.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, I, wrote a, I wrote a book in response to that debate, and I have an entire chapter in there on the, Jose- the issue he raises with Josephus. And uh, Wh-
0: and which, which book is this? You said
1: uh, it's called uh, uh, something, war- uh, let's see. Prophecy Wars. Prophecy, Prophecy Wars. Wars. Okay. And so I went back and looked at his writings and it was how dependent he was on. You're talking about Hamilton's writings. Hamilton's writings, because he was the one that made the accusation. Right. Uh, that how dependent he was on Josephus with with so much of his understanding of the of of the New Testament but the thing of it is I hardly even use Josephus and most of my uh exposition on Matthew 24 and my my book Wars and Rumors of Wars I don't know if I quote Josephus just only a couple of times but he's a historical source sure. right I mean he was an right. eyewitness to this stuff right to say we were de- are dependent upon it is 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 really ludicrous because we're I'm not dependent upon it. Uh, I I just I, I've made my case by comparing scripture with scripture. Right. So, and
0: um, in particular, what, what what was the event? Uh, it's the Romans coming in, destroying that temple, and Josephus has first first hand account of that, yes. which is where that yeah, he, yeah is coming from. He does.
1: Uh, and so I would I would only use Josephus as a as a supplement to it. Uh, but I I just thought that was a a, a, a cop out but it, it was just kind of funny uh because when I tracked some of his previous articles and yeah. how he used josephus to help support the con the the canon uh and of the old of the old testament and and so forth uh so and it, what's also interesting is how prevalent uh the works of josephus have been used in in history it was it was it was oftentimes a supplement to the bible people the, the numerous editions of josephus um so he would have to be critical of almost the ent- entire history of the church the number of times
0: not just unique to your position
1: yeah, no not no it's uh, every, in fact if you go back and you you look at other uh, expositions of matthew chapter twenty four like my position isn't new uh, they 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 saw the same things that I that I've seen, and also they they reference Josephus as well. Why wouldn't you? Why right. wouldn't you reference the a, an eyewitness to the first century? Given the fact that there aren't that many sources from the from the first century that you can actually reference. Right. Um,
0: so you mentioned you know as you're coming into this, uh, this is the late great planet Earth to all of those uh, really charged eschatological times, or at least that's, that was a front-burner subject, uh, and not to mention The Land Before Time. Why did I just forget those novels? Oh, The Left Behind. The Left Behind, not to mention The Land Before Time. In
1: fact, <laughs> uh, the, they're both fictional accounts, so yeah, uh, they in the same category.
0: So that was such a supercharged time. What do you make of uh, where the church is today with eschatology?
1: I think there's a greater debate over eschatology today. The position that I'm advocating is often dealt with okay. in people who are writing on prophetic matters. We're probably in the '60s, '70s, and '80s. There was no really mention of the of the preterist uh, uh, position, uh, but today, uh, you, of course, the internet has opened up all kinds of things. But uh, it's it's always a discussion. Anybody who writes a commentary, you mentioned Sam Storms, right? Uh, his his works are very preterist, although he right. probably wouldn't take it as far as I I, I would.
0: I think he has that verse thirty four break.
1: Yeah, uh, which Marcellus Kick had as well, and right. I held it for the longest time. But after additional work, I I really I really couldn't hold it, and I think it makes much more sense, especially if you compare Matthew twenty four uh, with Luke seventeen. Uh, there's a Shows you that things that take take place before verse thirty-four and things that take place after uh, verse thirty-four, uh, they're they're flipped in the Luke seventeen uh, passage. And again, I have this in my, that book, uh, uh, Prophecy Wars.
0: Okay. In terms of so uh, today, people are at least taking your position a lot more seriously, even yes. if they disagree with it. Um, what is the debate, or what would you say? Is there a is there a, a popular Doctrine today. Do you think one takes any of the positions take precedent over the others?
1: I I think the the older we're living in the last days. Jesus could come at any moment. Uh, there are lots of signs today that uh, lend evidence to that perspective. Is still very popular today. There's it's still out there. Okay. Uh, I although I haven't I have not seen a scholarly defense of dispensationalism and for a very long time. Uh, and uh, although most of the, I think the shift has taken place to the more popular writers, the more extravagant uh, uh, prophecy writers. Uh, I, again, I don't, I don't know what Dallas is coming out with. Uh, many of the stalwarts are, are dead, um, and uh, Pentecost and Walverd and. Uh, Dave Hunt is a, who was more of a popularizer but uh, I just don't see anyone really defending it in a scholarly way and that the major publishing houses uh, aren't aren't publish or aren't publishing the scholarly uh, defense of dispensationalism anymore.
0: Yeah, I'm curious. I wonder I know that there was a a really popular time where the reform to kingdom position really came to the forefront which was sort of an millennialism, right uh, and at least and at least how it applied that eschatology practically. At least they were thinking through how did the, you know, are we, uh, what are we reserving for that kingdom and what are we reserving for right, this kingdom? Yeah. Was that, was that an amillennial, you know, was that a, was that a a bad attempt at amillennial practicality or what would you make of that position?
1: Um, it was, it was no one, I don't think people described it so much that way. I think Greg Bonson, Forced the antithesis on that when he was at r t s okay and I think the defended, the two kingdom approach today michael horton and uh, who's the other one van van duren I think. van
0: uh yes uh, uh, i and, forget
1: and, and others have uh, tr- i think they have come out because of the popularity of the idea uh, that god's word applies to every area of life and god's word should it be applicable, and we just don't relegate. This to the church and leave this to the world, uh, sort of thing. They've been they've been forced to kind of answer uh, what people like uh, uh, Bonson was was, was presenting, and Rush Dooney and 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 others like them.
0: All right. Well, so what uh, you mentioned a few of your books: Last Days Madness, Prophecy Wars, uh, Wars and Rumors of Wars. Correct? Is that that was one of your most recent books? Uh,
1: Wars and Rumors of Wars. Yes.
0: Um, where can we get those?
1: You can go to AmericanVision.org, Okay. AmericanVision.org. Uh, articles go up five days a week. Uh, uh, we have a store. There are some books that are out of print right now. Last Days Madness is out of print, but there are digital versions, and we're moving in the digital world as well as, as everyone else is. Uh, so there's a lot, of, a lot of material there.
0: If I don't remember right, too, you have a, uh, in your store, there's a free PDF bundle, I think. There could be. And uh, I plundered it a long time, a long time ago. But uh, like I mentioned, super grateful for your stuff. And also, I wanted to make sure: uh, what are you up to, Don? Is it Gary in the end of the world?
1: Yeah, I. uh,
0: Are we allowed to know yet?
1: It's it's most of it's eschatological material. We went we we're we're kind of over uh, going over things again, but uh, doing a more biblical theological approach to it rather than just simply answering objections but okay. putting it together it's really the first time that i know of that it's been done this way and of course with darren as my interlocutor uh you know, know knowing the system as well as i do he's a good he's he and i are doing this together it's i, I think it's really really turned out well awesome we're, and not we can, quite dead, we're not quite done with it but we're we're getting there
0: and we can find that at darren Doan's facebook
1: uh we can He's post. He'll be posting things on on his page, and I'll be posting things at, at uh, uh, American Vision's awesome Facebook page. And then eventually, this will all be available through American Vision. There, we're we're with Darren. We're going to be hitting everything with it. it's, okay. it's a bit overwhelming to me, <laughs> but I uh, Darren knows this stuff yeah. a whole lot better than I, you, you or I know. No I, yeah, no, I yeah. believe
0: it. No, I believe it. Awesome. Yeah. Well thank you so much for, for taking the time. Thanks Appreciate you.
1: Good to be here.